So, uh, why is Psalm 23 so popular? Have you ever thought about that? If it is, it is the number one psalm you usually hear it read at funerals. Um, most people can even quote it. They may, what's, oh, how about this? What's the most popular verse quoted by a non-Christian when talking to a Christian? Anybody know? Besides Becky? What is the most popular verse that every non-Christian or many... Uh, judge not, lest you be judged. Right? Yep, yep, that is uh, Matthew 7, 7. Judge not, lest you be judged. And they don't, they don't mean to encourage you. They're telling you to shut up. Yeah, uh, so Psalm 23 is... Uh, my choice for our devotion today. We're going to be focusing in the sermon on Jesus as the great shepherd. The great shepherd. So let's uh, listen to God's holy word. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Take a moment in preparation to worship our shepherd and king. Amen. Please rise now as we hear the call of our Heavenly Father to come into his holy presence as his children and to worship him. Call today comes from Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord he is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him, and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. What are we called to do here? To make a joyful shout unto the Lord and to come into his presence with singing. And so let's respond to God's call 
by singing uh, hymn number 570, Praise God from Whom All Blessings Flow, and then we'll sing Psalm 103, Easy, uh, O Come, My Soul, Bless Thou the Lord. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Heaven and earth are called to praise him, and that includes us. So let us do so, uh, 103E. Bye. 
Father in heaven. As we are reminded both in the scripture and the call to worship, in the song that we have sung, that you reign, you're the Lord, over heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in all of them, all of these creatures, angels, just men made perfect around your throne. And we, who are called saints, your children, have gathered in your name, O Holy Father. We have come to honor our Father who art in heaven. Holy is your name. May truly your kingdom come, your will be done, this morning, this day, as it is in heaven. We pray that you would enable us to be raised in our minds as well as seated in heavenly places in Christ, but to be able to look upon you by faith in your exalted, holy presence. And we pray, O Lord, that you would speak to us from heaven through your word and by your spirit, that you would grant again, we pray, that you would grant unto us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And especially open our hearts that we may be able to receive your word like that seed and that the fruit would be a hundredfold. We ask for your blessing to be a blessing and we pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. This morning we have opportunity to confess our sins once again with a responsive reading found in your bulletin. That responsive reading comes from Psalm 34, verses 11 through 19. I will read the light type if you could respond in the dark type. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who deserves life and loves many, that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from, from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the, de- are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Again, let us pray. Father in heaven, we hear this call to fear you. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. We understand there, summarize, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And we look also and see that you differentiate between the righteous and those that do evil. We know in ourselves that we are unrighteous in Adam, and we have done unrighteous things 
even today. We have sinned against you. And so that by our works, by the things we do, whether they're thoughts or deeds or words, we fall far short of your will. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We just sang a song that talked about your servants doing, delighting in doing your will. And yet, as we examine ourselves, we are aware of how we have fallen short of your glory, how we have offended you. We pray, O Lord, that you would break our hearts with the things that break your heart, that you would enable us to see how great our sin is, how offensive our actions, thoughts, attitudes, words, deeds are to you. Grant unto us that true repentance, the heartfelt sorrow for sin, causing us to hate it and turn from it always more and more. We do pray that we acknowledge that we are not righteous in ourselves, but we have been called righteous in Christ. We believe the gospel. We believe what Jesus has done for us. His death on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin, became us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so, yes, we are called righteous because of the righteousness of Christ. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for not only taking the punishment, the wrath of God for, against us for our sins, but also you have clothed us by faith in your own righteousness. We are justified by faith alone. We are made accepted in the Beloved. And so we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you do forgive us, that your blood atoned, that you have removed far from us our sins as far as the east is from the west. That we are righteous in your sight only through the righteousness of Christ. And so we do embrace and thank you, Lord, for loving us, for accepting us, for calling us to be your children. And so we pray that you would open our lips and open our hearts that we may show forth your praise in thankfulness for your grace, mercy, and love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let us do so. Uh, The hymn is Arise, My Soul, Arise, Shake Off Its Guilty Fears, The Bleeding Sacrifice of Christ Appears. Let's turn to 275 and let us stand and celebrate our Savior.
seated. Once for all, right? We sang about his bleeding, his sufferings, his death. Once for all. Where's that? Is that in the Bible? Yes, Hebrews. We just sang about Christ as our high priest. Well, we have today also an opportunity to confess the triune God, person and work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The biblical concept of name is a revelation of a person and their work. And so today we get to confess what the Bible teaches in summary concerning the triune God, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're using today the Nicene Creed. It's found on page 852 in the hymnal you just had in your hand, so please open there to 852. And let us together, before heaven and earth, before mankind, let us make public confession of our faith. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, what is it you believe? I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds. By saying what you did just said, if you truly believe that, then you have just rejected the view of the world. The view of the world is we live in a closed system. Nothing comes in from outside of this universe. Many of the things that you said are thing are not things are acts of God coming into or another way of saying it what we just confess is an open system God the Father is involved with providence with everything God the Son became man and so on the Holy Spirit is working so we have just rejected the world and life view of the world of those around us who says we, God is out there, if there's a God, 
but we're in a closed system. You understand that? As a matter of fact, you could take this Nicene Creed and work down it and put the opposite, and that's what the world confesses. We believe in a supernatural God who does extraordinary things and ordinary things. We were just talking this morning about God's faithfulness when we prayed this morning, didn't we? That we presume upon the ordinary providence of God. Here we've confessed it. He made all things. He sustains all things. You're, you're here because of the grace of God. You're here because of God's involvement. Not because you're God. And we only believe in one God, and it's not you and it's not me. Right? All right. So we also have this morning uh, a, a correction of errors. Uh, the, the little small half sheet in the bulletin. Uh, we are working our way through the Kansas door. We're coming to near the end. And we are in the rejection of errors. And this one is paragraph six. I'll re- read the light type if you'll please read the dark type. Uh, the true doctrine having been explained, the synod rejects the errors of those who teach that the doctrine of the certainty of perseverance and of salvation from its own character and nature is a cause of indolence and is injurious injurious to godliness, good morals, prayers, and other holy exercises, but that, on the contrary, it is praiseworthy to doubt. Furthermore, these are contradicted by the example of the saints, both of the Old and the New Testament, who, though they were assured of their perseverance and salvation, were nevertheless constant in prayers and other exercises of godliness. So uh, I, would, I would almost change the word teach there at the very beginning, The synod rejects the errors of those, I would use the word charge, who charge that having the doctrine of certainty, of perseverance, and of salvation undermines pursuit of God. That's their charge. If you believe that you're saved by Jesus Christ, if you believe that He who's begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. If you believe that you you will persevere, or I should say that God will persevere for you, then you're going to be tempted to just say, so I can just live like the world. I don't have to pray. 
I don't have to walk in holiness. I don't have to follow Jesus. That's, that doctrine of the perseverance of the saints undermines your motivation to love Jesus. That's what they're saying. That's the charge. And notice at the very end, on the contrary, it is praiseworthy to doubt. What? What, what are you saying? It's better that I don't believe than that I believe. Praiseworthy, the unbeliever is to be praised. This is what they're saying. Is that what the Bible teaches? Has, does God say it is better for you to be a doubter than to be a believer? Does that sound right? To me, it sounds like someone is taking their nails and running down the chalkboard, right? It's like, ah, this is awful. I know the motivation, is it just because these were evil people, these, these pastors that wanted to teach these things? No. What they saw was a lack of pursuit of God. And so they blamed it on this doctrine. They wanted to correct it. It's kind of like if you've ever studied Pelagius, the monk Pelagius, back at the time of Augustine, there in Rome. He went to Rome, and he saw all this wickedness among Christians. And so he rejected grace and said, you need to work, you need to do in order to be saved. Because look at all the, the fruit of the wicked fruit. And so, what is the response is? Notice again. Well, here's another way they said it. The doc this doctrine makes men careless and profane. It is an immoral doctrine. It leads necessarily and inevitably to carelessness and wickedness. Uh, and that one word there is a cause of indolence. When was the last time you used the word indolence? Have you ever used the word indolence? That word just goes... Whew. Right? Here's a good way to translate it. Literally, it it's a cause for, it's a pillow for the flesh. A pillow for the flesh. Supports and encourages the flesh. And so, again, their argument is it is better to doubt. Uh, one author writes the following The Arminian taught that it is praiseworthy to doubt concerning the certainty of perseverance and salvation. One could as well say it is praiseworthy to doubt concerning our, our perseverance and our salvation. For if you doubt concerning certainty, you have no certainty at all, but only doubt. This was indeed the Arminian position. The Christian must and, be, and must be kept in a continual state of doubt. And that doubt must be the spur, the whip, the threat that scares him into a godly and moral life, that compels him to pray and to engage in other holy exercises. Only when one continually doubts and remains uncertain of his final salvation will there be any true morality. Only when the longed-for prize is kept just beyond his grasp will the Christian, keep on pursuing that prize and strive to attain to the goal. Hence, all assurance must be frowned upon. And instead, that Christian who always is in doubt 
is to be lauded as a spiritually healthy Christian. Such is the Arminian position. What do you think of that? What do you think? Does your heart say amen? I need to doubt God's grace. I need to doubt my abilities, my faith. I, I, to me, it's more than I reject. I abhor this kind of thinking. Does the Bible abhor this kind of thinking? Well, look what the answer is. The answer is Scripture. Directly. Beloved, now we are children of God. If I'm a child of God, do I have confidence that my Father, who art in heaven, will take care of me? Do I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and everything? If I'm his son, I'm his daughter, if I'm a child of God, if that's what God calls me, if I can say, Abba, Father, to God, why would I doubt him? Yeah, I know, I look at my own faith. My faith is like sinking sand. Yeah, if it's all about me and it's me who saves me, then yeah, the Arminian is correct. Woe is me. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Salvation is of the Lord. Very good. Salvation is of the Lord. So he goes on to say, and yet, and it is not yet manifest what we shall be. In other words, we're still dealing with sin in the members and the flesh and the world and all of this. But we know that if he is manifested, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone that has this hope set on him purifies himself. Notice that. So if my focus and my hope is on Jesus Christ, that will purify me. Why? Because I want to follow him. He's my shepherd, which we're going to talk about. He's my savior. He's the love of my life. Right? It's not your spouse, for those that are married, that is the ultimate love of your life, but Jesus, isn't it? He laid down his life for you. Yeah, you're called to love your spouse, but number one, Jesus is the love of your life. Is he just up in heaven doing nothing, just waiting to be sent back, as some Christians teach? Well, no. He's ruling. He's praying. He's caring for us. And I like what, how they ended. Well, look at the example of the saints in the Old and New Testament. I love how they said the saints. Old Testament believers in Jesus Christ in the Old Testament are saints as well as us. <coughs> Set apart from the world. That's what the word saint means. Paul, when he writes to the losers in Corinth, calls them saints. And then corrects them in their errors. Old and New Testament saints were constant in prayer and other exercises of godliness. So this teaching, this charge, is an offense to God. And we reject it. Amen? Amen. Let us prepare our hearts to 
hear God's word read and preached this morning. And so uh, we desire for the Lord to speak. And so let us sing that song, Speak, O Lord, as we come to you. It's hymn number 172. And once again, please stand with me as we sing, as we pray and ask for the Lord's blessing. Turn with me to the letter of the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus and to us, the church here in Dickinson. Ephesians chapter 5. Our text this morning will be verses 8 through 17, but let's back up and begin in verse 1 of chapter 5 and let us hear the word of God. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, 
an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which is not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the children or the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly or accurately, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The grass withers, the flower fades, but God's word abides forever. Amen? Amen. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you once again that you have granted us the privilege of hearing your your word read of having the Bible, that you are a God who communicates through various authors, including the Apostle Paul, that you're a God who speaks, and we pray that you would enable us to listen, to hear and respond appropriately, as we just sang, speak, O Lord, and grant us the ability to hear. We thank you, Lord, for this application now of our position in Christ as children of God, and now this application, this call to walk in holiness in the fear of God. We pray that you would enable us to not only hear and forget, but to hear and to do what you say. Grant us that grace, we pray. Change us, and we will be changed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, we were talking earlier about Psalm 23. He he is the good shepherd. And one of the phrases in that psalm is, he leads me in the paths, anyone remember the rest? Of righteousness for his name's sake. 
We're called to follow Jesus. We've been talking a lot about that, haven't we? We follow Jesus for his sake, for his name's sake, that his name would be proclaimed, that people would see Jesus in our lives. Is that your commitment? Yeah, he's my Savior, but is he my Lord? Is he my shepherd? When I'm at work, do I want, do I want, do I desire to have those coworkers that are blaspheming his name in front of me to know Jesus? That they're playing with something worse than an atomic bomb? They're talking about eternal damnation in hell? Do we care that Jesus' name is that why you are here? For his name's sake? Is that your heart? My, it's my prayer for you. We looked at last week the statement in verse 8. For you were once darkness. What is darkness? The absence of light. You had no light in yourself. You were pitch black. What happens if all if the sun were all the sun and the stars were to stop working? There would be pitch black. How long would life exist on earth? Not long at all. Life comes from light. You were once darkness. You were dead in trespasses and sins. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He shines in the darkness of this world, and that darkness does not comprehend or overcome him, according to the Gospel of John 1.5. You were once darkness, but now light in the Lord. Isn't that an interesting thought again? That when you walk into a room, the light of Jesus Christ lights up that room. You ever thought of that? When you're at work, you're at home, you're in the grocery store, you're wherever, school, the light of Jesus Christ is shining there. You are a light bearer. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. Here, you are light in the Lord, in Jesus. And so what does he say? Well, if I am in the Lord... I'm to walk as children of light. Interesting statement. Yes, we're called children of God. But our identity is we're children of light. We were children of darkness. And now we're children of light. Walk in the light. And let the light shine. So we've been looking at walking in Jesus Christ, chapters 1 through 3. We, uh, the emphasis is on being seated in heavenly places in Christ. Now we're called to walk worthy, living the life in fellowship with Jesus. So that's what he's talking about. So what's my first point there? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. We find that here in verse 11. And have no fellowship 
with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. What are these unfruitful works of darkness? Well, he's been talking about them over and over again, hasn't he? He's been contrasting. You were once dead, now you're alive. You were once alienated from life and from God. Now you're reconciled through Jesus Christ. He has just been saying earlier in chapter 4, he went into, um, he says what we're not to walk in, verse 17, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the, in the emptiness, the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts, who past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all in cleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. Those are the unfruitful works of darkness. Again, in chapter 5, but fornication and, and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be named once among you, as fitting those who are holy as saints, neither filthiness, foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which is not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. So is it important what you do with your tongue? Is it important to God how you use your words, how you speak? Proverbs says life and death is in the power of the tongue. James, which we looked at a while back, talks about the tongue is able to set on fire things. The tongue is a fire-breathing dragon, in other words. Is what you say important to God? How about others? How often do you sin against your neighbor with your mouth? Some of the, I didn't go into this last week, but what about that foolish talking and coarse jesting? Maybe I should preach a sermon on that, right? Do we do that? Do we misuse our tongues? Is that sin? When we speak evil of others, when we judge others and speak evil, when we gossip? Thank you. Do we hate our sin? Do are we aware? Out of the mouth proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adultery. Out of the heart, but then it's also expressed in the mouth. Yeah. Paul think, seems to think it's important. He brings it up, doesn't he? For no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the, children, the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. We're called to be holy. We're to have nothing in common have no fellowship, don't share in common the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. That's a tough thing to say. It's a tough thing to do. Will people shun you? If when someone takes the name of the Lord in vain and you say, don't do that, will, will that person say, thank you? Thank you for telling me to shut up. 
No. They'll mock you, right? Or worse. Have nothing in common with the unfruitful works of darkness. What about us? Do we have good works? Can you do a good work in the sight of God? There are some uh, people, uh, one fellow in particular I have in mind who no longer is with us on this earth, who said a a born-again, regenerate Christian cannot do a good work. I would oppose him. I would disagree with that. Would the catechism oppose that? Does our Heidelberg Catechism talk at all about what a good work is? The answer is yes. If you don't know, question number, anybody? Question number 91. Very good. Thank you. You're memorizing it. Thank you. All right. One of my favorite of many catechism questions. What are good works? Those only proceed from true faith and are done according to the law of God, unto his glory, and not such as rest on our own opinion or the commandments of men. So what is a good work? A good work has the right motivation. There it's stated as true faith. I trust in God. I believe in God. I trust him. I rest in him. My motivation is that God is working through me. Romans 14.23. Next, the right standard, God's law word, God's word. And finally, the right goal, for the glory and pleasure of God. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth. So how am I doing? How often do you evaluate your actions based on question number 91? When you're doing something, what's my motivation? Why am I doing this? Is it for me? What is my goal in doing this? Is it for me? What is the standard that I'm following? Is it my opinion? If any one of those is not according to those stated, true faith, the word of God, the glory of God, guess what? Is it a good work? No. So yes, many of the times we do good works in the sight of men, but not in the sight of God. Does that save us? No. Is Jesus' works, were they perfect? Were they good? Did he have the right motivation, the right goal, and the, follow the... Yes. And that's our righteousness before God. But that doesn't mean that we, like we said to the Arminian, no, that doesn't mean we just live like the world. No, we desire, and that's what he's saying, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, rather expose them, but walk in the light. How do we do that? One of the ways we do that is by self-examination. Look at verse 13. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. How often do you do a self-examination? 
Do you? When you're doing your devotions, when you're reading the Bible, or when you're stopping, thinking, or praying, do you ever actually run down and say, how am I doing? How am I doing following Jesus? Am I biting and devouring my fellow sheep next door? How am I doing with my speech, with my heart? Here Paul says, we're to examine. We're to allow God's word to expose our hearts so that he may take it away. Notice in verse 14, he says, wake up. You who are sheep, put off. Arise from the dead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and Christ will give you life. So have no unfellowship, things in common, with the unfruitful works of darkness. So he starts off in negative in that sense again. This is what we have been redeemed from. This is not who we are anymore. But then he also gives us encouragement, and that's the second point, through the abiding, active work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 9 and 10. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Here again, we have that contrast. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but walk as children of light, for in doing so we're walking in grace. We're walking in the abiding, active work of the Holy Spirit. Remember, what does it say there? It's the fruit of the Christian or the fruit of the Spirit that you produce or that is produced in your life. Yours or the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and so on, right? Who gets the glory for the fruit? The Spirit, right? He gets the credit. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that the goal? Is the glory of God, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God? And that, does that include the Holy Spirit? Again, when was the last time you said, thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me do this? Hmm? That you acknowledge his presence, his working, his power. Do you ever do that? Do you ever? Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. But do you ever? Uh, I'm starting to sound like a charismatic here. Um, but do you ever say thank you? Do you? Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me on that test in school. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me not damage my knuckle while I'm tightening this bolt here, and I normally break. You know what I'm talking about? Thank you for helping me be able to play the piano. Right? That's a gift of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit. 
The fruit of the Spirit, in other words, is the result of the Spirit's work. Do you believe the Holy Spirit's working in your life? Do you? Do you believe he's abiding with you? Does the Bible say that? The Holy Spirit puts up with you and lives with you and abides with you? Does it say in the Bible that we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God? Well, he has to be there to be grieved, right? Are we called to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh? The answer is yes. Charles Hodge, in his commentary, as he's looking at that verse um, 8 we talked about, for you were sometimes darkness, but now light in the Lord, walk as children of light. He says, as light stands for knowledge, and as knowledge in the scriptural sense of the word produces holiness, and holiness produces happiness, so darkness stands for ignorance. Such ignorance is inevitably, produce, inevitably produces sin, and sin misery. Therefore, the expression, you were once darkness, means you were ignorant, polluted, and wretched. But now you are children, or you are light in the Lord. That is, because of your union with Christ, you are enlightened, sanctified, and blessed. Walk as children of the light. That is, the children of holiness and truth. Enlightened, sanctified, and blessed. Are those the fruit of the Spirit? Being able to, oh, I'm looking at the situation from a biblical perspective. I can see clearly things that I wouldn't see in darkness. Is Christ, is the Spirit working to make me holy? Do I hate my sin? Now, we must remember that Christ is our righteousness. So we come back to that again. We, our righteousness is his filthy rags, but Christ is our righteousness. Paul, when writing to the Corinthians in chapter 1, verse 30, says the following, But of him, that is Christ, uh, or of, of the Father, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. That as it is written, he glories, let him glory in the Lord. Christ is our righteousness before God. Christ is our holiness. Christ is our redemption, Paul said. And he sent the Holy Spirit who then applies the work of Christ for us. We call it salvation. Are you saved? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? That salvation is in Christ, not in you. And the Holy Spirit applies that work of Christ. Praise God for that. Does he do it once and then walks away or flies away or whatever? Departs? No. He abides with us forever. What's the Holy Spirit doing right now in your life? Producing fruit. At least that's what Paul is desirous to see. God desires to see. The Holy Spirit continues to work in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. Paul earlier in chapter 2 verse 10 says, We are his work of art, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand 
that we should walk in them. You ever think of yourself as a work of art? We've talked about this before. Are you a work of art? By the master craftsman, the master painter, painting your life. Work of art. It will glorify God for all eternity. Isn't that a nice thought? We are his poema. We are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit is doing that work, making us more like Christ, chipping away what needs to be chipped away. There's a passage that in the parallel uh, letter of Paul is in is uh, Colossians. Uh, he makes a statement, a phrase that just strikes me, and I hope it does you. Verse 10 of First uh, of Colossians, he said that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. But I don't know about you, but to me, that just strikes me. Fully pleasing him. Does that blow your mind? That I can do something that fully pleases God. No, maybe it's just me. Um, that blows my mind, that I can do something that God is, says, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that what we want to hear in heaven? That, that can actually, I can do something right now on earth that fully pleases him? That's Paul's prayer to the, of the Colossians. Again, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is part of his prayer for us. The Spirit does that work. Again, in our passage, he talks about righteousness. In chapter 4, verse 24, we read, and, be, uh, and that you put on the new man, which is created according to God in righteousness and holiness of the truth. The fruit of the Spirit is righteousness, goodness, holiness, truth. These are the fruits. Are you a man or woman of truth? Is your word your bond? When you say something, do you swear to your own hurt? In this world, that's peculiar. Used to be the normal thing. You didn't have to have contracts, right? In the olden days, you just your word is always necessary. Now we have to have it in triplicates, right? We have to get it notarized and so on, right? No. I am of the truth. My words are true. I speak the truth in love. That is the fruit of the Spirit. So how do we do it? Well, he goes on to talk about, in the third point, through the wisdom of the Lord. What is wisdom? Wisdom, as we've, been t we've talked about in the past, what is wisdom? Skill for living. Okay. It needs, it's based on knowledge and understanding. What Paul says is, what is our wisdom? What is your wisdom? Believer in Jesus Christ, what is your wisdom? Paul says Christ is our wisdom. Christ is our skill for living. 
if I am following the good shepherd, as he leads me in the paths of righteousness, he teaches me the right things to do, wise things to do, through his word, by his spirit. Christ is the wisdom of God, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 30. So, what is Paul saying here? Conduct your life with care according to God's wisdom in Christ. Okay, that's basically the application here. Conduct your life in wisdom. Well, how can I do that? Well, learn it. I'm going to ask for a show of hands. How many here have ever read the book of Proverbs? Okay, I have a few people. You've read through the whole book of Proverbs at least once. Okay, how many of you uh, have read it at least once a year? A couple, okay. How many, I, I won't ask for how many have never read it. Um, what is Proverbs? It's skill for living. Is it important? We talk about skilled trades. How about skills for life? They're short, pithy. Many of the Proverbs are short, pithy statements. Go to the ant, you sluggard. You're a lazy person. Hey, I'm a guy, I'm lazy. No, just me. Okay, I'm lazy. So what does it say? Hey, sluggard, go to the ant. See how she works all day. She doesn't have a captain to tell her what to do. She works hard every day. Go to the ant. We practice a lot of, of Proverbs. We practice hard work, right? But do we know where the source of that principle is? Well, we call it the Protestant work ethic. Well, it's Proverbs. Are you informing yourself in the wisdom of God? When was the last time you read the book of Job? How about Ecclesiastes? These are wisdom literature. They are results in the meditation on God's word and the results on meditation of life. Paul brings in just one simple one. There in verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time. How are you doing on your time management? Your use of time. Time is a resource, right? We all have the same number of minutes in a day, right? How are you doing on managing that time? How much time do you waste that you're not it's not somehow tangibly connected with Christ. He says, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. That's a challenge in itself, isn't it? Right? How much time... You know, the amazing thing about these to, this tool is how much time it is t takes away from your life. Right? Wake up in the morning and... Oh, I've got these emails and, and all of that, but then I start looking at all of the news flashes and is it just me? How many hours a day do I spend 
unnecessarily that I didn't, let's say 20 years ago, that I didn't spend on this. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. Paul talks about love in action. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's love in action. All right, you guys, you hung on. Thank you for your patience. Let's draw, what's the favorite word? In conclusion. (gasps) So in conclusion, Jesus is our good shepherd. He is our righteousness. He is our right standing before God, but he is also our guide and friend who loves us and leads us to glory. Do you care? Does that make a difference in your life that Jesus is my guide and he's my friend? He will never leave me or forsake me. He loves me more than I love myself. How do I know? Go look at the cross. He loves us and he's leading us to glory. I want to close with uh, hymn 525. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tender care. In your pleasant pastures feed us. For our use thy foals prepare. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast bought us, we are yours. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, you have bought us, thine we are. We are yours, do thou befriend us. Be the guardian of our way. Keep thy flock from sin, defend us. Seek us when we go astray. You have promised to receive us, poor and sinful though we be. You have mercy to relieve us, grace to cleanse, power to free. Early let us seek your favor. Early let us do your will. Blessed Lord and only Savior, with your love our bosoms fill. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast loved us, love us still. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast loved us, love us still. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have sent your only begotten Son, who became man, who became our shepherd. And as he said, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. We pray, O Lord, for any here today who are not his sheep, that you would have mercy on their souls. And we pray for those who are his sheep, that you would have mercy on our souls, and that you would enable us to follow the shepherd. Yes, we've been challenged with exposing and rejecting the unfruitful works of darkness. We have been challenged with redeeming the time because the days are evil. We've been challenged to follow you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for dwelling with us, and we pray that you 
would do that work to make us more like Jesus, changing us from glory to glory into the image of Christ. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's respond to God's word by giving of his tithes and our offerings. Father in heaven, we thank you once again for providing for us our daily bread, for the giving of uh, grace, your providence, in enabling us to work and to prosper in our work. We know that all things belong to you, and we're called to be stewards of your manifold grace. And so we give to you back a portion of that which you've given to us. Yes, we did the work, we did the investing, however these resources came into our hands, but we give them back to you, acknowledging that all things belong to you. We belong to you. And we are called to be your managers of those things. We pray for wisdom, as we talked about. We pray for skill, for using the resources you've given us to glorify you. Give us the right motivation, Strengthen our faith. Help us to know your will in your word that we may do those good works that glorify you. And so we do dedicate these things to you and dedicate ourselves again to you. We look to you for our daily bread. Enable us, O Lord, in our relationships with one another and in the battles that we face against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil because it's all about you. We pray, O Lord, for these needs that are in the bulletin. Both we rejoice in the answer to prayer, many prayers that we have prayed as the congregation of the Lord, and you have answered them, and we acknowledge that. We thank you, O Lord, for the successful court hearing for Mela's um, adoption in Poland. And now we do lift up to you Uh, their need for the uh, waiting on the appeal process and also travel to Warsaw to get um, the paperwork, the visas, the um, passport, all of that. We do pray that you would bring um, Bill and Ray Lynn and Mella safely here um, as they desire honor before the 16th of December and be reunited with the boys. So we ask your blessing. We thank you, Lord, for answered prayer for them. We thank you also, Lord, for answered prayer for Pastor Mike uh, Lassley, that uh, he is recovering. He's making progress after the stroke. Although the progress is slow, it's steady. We pray, O Lord, for him and his family. We pray for him as as he uh, struggles with just being tired as he is going through a process of retraining his body, he's at an infant stage, 
and slowly through uh, physical therapy, he is gaining back, but it's very taxing. We ask the Lord for strength for him and for Amy and for the family and for the church there in Watertown as well. We do do pray that you would bless uh, the service of the elders and the service of those who come and uh, fill the pulpit. We pray, O Lord, the strength and the body in the process that that would not be a concern. He could rest and recover. So we do pray you'd provide for uh, that church as well as the family. We thank you again for that answered prayer. We lift up to you Ethel, and we thank you for the MRI that came back positively, that there's not uh, problems with the brain. But we also lift her up uh, that she is in need of pain management. She's struggling with great pain. And so we ask for wisdom for the doctors there in Los Angeles that they would be able to find the right medication to help. And we do pray as she has uh, more uh, radiation treatments ahead. Uh, we pray for wisdom for her and her family as to where uh, she should go, whether it should be in L.A. or in Salt Lake City or uh, somewhere else. And so we ask, O oh Lord, for your mercy and help. We pray for James. We pray for his family, his children, and uh, his extended family. We pray that you would grant them comfort in this time of great trial. We do pray, O oh Lord, that you would strengthen Ethel's faith. We lift up to you others that we have in the bulletin. There are some that are battling cancer or some that are dan- uh, battling difficult family struggles mentioned there. Traveling mercies for those who are away. Sickness, we think of the Sims family who just uh, stated that they weren't going to be here because of sickness in the family. We pray for your mercy and healing for them. We know you are the great physician, and we thank you that we can come to you with these prayers. We do pray, O Lord, not only for ourselves, not only for our church, not only for our extended family, but as we see a world that is at war with you and at war with one another, we ask, O Lord, for peace. We ask, O Lord, for the proclamation of the gospel to go forth to those who lie in darkness. As you have shown mercy to us, show mercy to those who... who without you, are dead in trespasses and sins. We pray these things now, praying the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Do you mind being Johnny on the spot? Changing. Can we go to 525 instead? If not, we'll do 533. We can do that? Okay. Uh, please turn in your hymnals to five. Uh, was it five twenty-five? What we quoted earlier. Thank you very much. And uh, we just—I quoted it earlier, but let's sing it. Five thirty-five. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Five twenty-five. Sorry, five twenty-five. I know what I want to say. Right. <laughs>
receive now the blessing, the benediction of the Lord. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.